And what I mean by that is it's not about one man, it's not about one woman, it's not about one individual, uh, but it's about a team. And I want you guys to know that you are a part of that team. You know, together we work uh, guided by God and His Holy Spirit that lives in us, and we go out and we, we, uh, we do ministry together, and we, we reach people with the gospel and disciple people in the gospel and equip people to share the gospel. And, and one of those individuals that's just been really, really uh, helpful to me and has been an encouragement to me and is just... Right, thank you. I don't know about the wise part there, buddy. I got a, uh, I got a Facebook message this morning. And uh, Facebook is amazing, isn't it? Because you can talk to people on the other side of the world, and it's like you're right there with each other. So I got a Facebook message early this morning. I was getting ready and everything, and that, that little ding went off. And I looked down, and Caitlin Smith, our missionary in Haiti, had messaged me. And I was like, wow, this is unusual, because usually we talk late at night. You know, Facebook back and forth late at night. So I opened it up, and she has a prayer request. If you don't know anything about the mission at Haiti, one of the major things that they have there is a birthing center. And women can come from the community, and they can receive help and care to give birth. Now, this is very powerful in Haiti because one thing that it allows the children to do, it allows that, that child to receive a birth certificate, documentation. And this, birth, this birthing center is very important in this community. Well, her prayer request is that they have the opportunity to step up their game at the birthing center. More women can come to. That it would be a place that they could actually have more staff at. But all of this kind of hinges on something that I don't know what's getting ready to happen. But she asked for prayer that as they presented their proposal to someone or some entity, could be another, a big church or something, that they would be blessed by God if this was God's will. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. So join me in prayer. Uh, Father God, Father, we don't know what's going on in Haiti. We don't know what's going on at the mission or about this birthing center opportunity. But, Father, we do know this, that it was important enough for Caitlin to, to message me early this morning about it. And, Father, right now we ask that your hand will be upon this, that your powerful blessings will be upon this. Father, that you will direct their steps. And, Father, even if this isn't the opportunity that you have for them, that that next opportunity will be even greater than they can imagine. Because, Father, we know that children die in Haiti when they are born. We know that mothers die in Haiti when they give birth. So, Father, now we pray your blessings upon the mission and upon those there, upon the women that will deliver children today and upon those infants. Father, we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've been doing a sermon, well, I haven't been doing a sermon series, but Aaron has been doing a sermon series, and that sermon series has been, every story whispers his name. Now, who is the he, his name? It's Jesus. Every story in the Bible can point us to Jesus. You know, there were two key passages that Aaron started out with, and these are, there we go, Luke chapter 24. 
Luke chapter 24, the road to Emmaus story. You remember the story where Jesus, after his resurrection, he joins himself with two disciples and they walk along. Well, what Jesus does during that time, he has a conversation. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. Can you imagine walking along with Jesus and him explaining to you the Old Testament passages that related to him? Wouldn't that be powerful? I would like to have that walk. And then Jesus appears to the disciples. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Okay, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms are the entire Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. That's it in its entirety. So he says that everything written about me in the law of prophets and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You know, out of all of that, the last part, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There is a supernatural power that God has to allow us to understand God's word. Let us pray. Father God, Father, as we look into this story today from the Old Testament, Father, we pray that you will open our minds, that, Father, that you will allow us to take this story in. And even more so, Father, we pray that we will see Jesus in it just as you intended. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a conversation go bad? Have you ever gotten to a conversation that some of y'all are shaking your head? Yeah, haven't you? I mean ones that just don't turn out well. They go in a direction that you just cannot imagine ever happening. I'll share with you one of mine, and I still remember it to this day. Me and Crystal had gone away for a long weekend. It was our anniversary. And I had decided I was going to take my baby to the beach. We were going to stay at one of the nicest hotels in Virginia Beach, and we were going to spend the whole weekend alone. Now, you have to know our anniversary is in January, so rates are pretty good, especially at the nicest hotel. But here we were. We were at the beach, and we had been there for a couple of days. And I got a phone call. Now, one of the things I had told her was, I'm not going to answer my phone. For the, for the next four days, I'm not touching my phone. But my phone rang, and I looked at it, and it was my boss. Now, he knew I was gone for four days. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, I've got to take this call because, see, at this time of the year is when we got our bonus information and how much our raise was going to be. You know, this was an important call. He had to be calling me for that reason. And I really wanted to know how much money I was going to be making next year. So I looked at Crystal and I said, one minute, baby, just one call. I'll even take it out on the balcony. I go out to the balcony and I answer the phone. Hey, boss. And I had one of the worst conversations I had ever had in my life. My boss wasn't telling me anything about my raise he wasn't telling me anything about my bonus. He was telling me that I was being transferred, that I was going to another location, the place that nobody wanted to be at. 
he was telling me that I was going to take a crew that the last supervisor had just given up and quit. And I was like, nothing. <laughs> I don't even think I said goodbye to him. I think, I think he just ended the conversation by hanging up on me. He just blurted it out, and that was the end of it. But you know, there was a conversation similar to that, not about raises or anything like that, but it was in the Old Testament. And that conversation, if you turn to Genesis chapter 22, we're going to look at that conversation, and we're going to look at the events that happened after that conversation. You see, in Luke, um, Luke in Genesis chapter 22, we see a conversation that God has with Abraham. Now, one thing I want to share with you, I want to share with you that this sermon was actually supposed to fit into the series back when it snowed. And I didn't, we didn't have service that day, so we had to push it back. Well, before today, I lost the sermon. So the sermon that I was originally going to give, I don't know what happened to it electronically. It disappeared. So this is a new sermon, and it's a new message. And I believe it's for somebody in here to hear because you need to hear it. You need to hear this message from God, and you need to hear about this, uh, about Abraham. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading from the, uh, no, the ESV, because Aaron uses the ESV, and I know some of you have went out and bought new Bibles. So here we go. Verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, this is God, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now I know some of you are sitting here because I remember the first time I read this. And you got to hang up right now. How can a compassionate, loving God how could a God that loves us so much call out to Abraham and tell him to go and offer his son up as a sacrifice? You know, when I first read this story, I was a little kid. They didn't even tell this story in Bible school. I think they thought it was, it was too much for us. And when I read this story, I was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. I don't know if I want to be hanging out with a God like that. But now there's one thing that you have to remember. Moses writes in here very clearly. What does he write? It's a test. It's a test. Now, you say, well, this is a cruel test. This is a test that's really over and beyond what anyone should be expected. But now think about it. When you place yourself in the time and in the culture of Abraham, in the time and culture of Abraham, Human sacrifice happened. Human sacrifice happened to idols and false gods. You know, Abraham really didn't have a full understanding of who God was. He didn't have the Old Testament to read. He didn't have the New Testament to read. What he only knew about God is what he personally had experienced. So here God is going to test Abraham. You know, he may have only had heard about human sacrifice, but there is a possibility that he had actually seen human sacrifice. Not that he participated in it, 
but it went on in his culture and in his day. So what happens after this conversation? After this conversation, starting with verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, now this wasn't close by. This is, this is 60, 60 miles or more away from where he was camped. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. You know, one thing I want to point out when we look at this verse, or this section of of verses of Scripture, Abraham rose up early the next morning. He didn't sleep in, did he? He rose up early the next morning. He went and saddled his donkey. Now, you know, he probably had hundreds of donkeys, but he went and saddled his donkey. What did that tell everybody? That told everybody that Abraham was traveling that day. Because, you see, if, he, if he's the guy in charge, if he's the patriarch of this family, I'm sure nobody else touched his donkey. Nobody else was going to take Abraham's donkey and go anywhere. You know, it's like your car. Are you going to give your son your car? No, I did, and I made a mistake of that a few times. But, but really, after you replace the speakers and everything in it, you never give it back to him again, do you? But then, but then his donkey, he let everybody know that he was leaving out that day. He didn't tell them where. So what did he do next? He went and he cut wood. Now, you know, Abraham could have gone and cut the wood and then come back to camp. He could have brought the wood back to camp. He could have had lunch. He could have taken a rest. He could have waited till the next day to leave, couldn't he? Or maybe he could have just sat around a little bit and just got up the nerve to go do what he had to do. But, you know, he didn't do that, did he? He went right away, and he began to go to where God was sending him. Now, one thing I want to do is I want to talk about the age of Isaac. Because in this story, it kind of gives us the impression, the interpretation of this story, gives it, or of this passage, gives us the indication that he's a child or a boy. That's not true. Okay? Have you ever seen a donkey load of wood? No. Russell has. I know you have. You've seen a donkey load of wood. That's a lot of wood, isn't it? In Haiti, Aaron did too. I mean, they will pile stuff up on a donkey that you just can't believe. So here you've got this donkey load of wood that, get, that Isaac is carrying. He's got to be a young man. He's got to be older than a boy to be able to carry this load. So continuing on, verse 7. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, or to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the firewood and the, wo- the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Now you can see the love and the relationship between these two. My father, my son. You know, I kind of imagine this because they were were mountain climbing. They had to climb up 
to where God was sending them, sending Abraham. And I can imagine one in front of the other, and I can imagine they kind of get separated a little bit, and I can imagine that Isaac calls out, My father! He wanted his dad's attention. And his, son, and his father lovingly calls back to him, My son! Can you imagine how awkward that climb was for Abraham? Can you imagine the ache that was in his heart as they climbed? Obviously, Isaac knew what was required to worship God, didn't he? He knew they had to have a sacrifice. His dad had taught him well. He had worshipped with his dad before. He knew that there was going to be some sacrifice to God. Abraham shows his great faith by knowing that his worship service was going to be in God's hands. In God's hands. So continuing on with verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Now, I told Aaron I wasn't going to get too graphic if there were children, and there's not. Okay, so what did this mean? I don't see any children in here, it's so, except for small ones. They can't understand me anyway. So what did this mean, slaughter his son? It meant he was going to slit his throat. It meant that he was going to watch him die. It meant that he was going to dismember his body and place it on the wood. All of this as a sacrifice to God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Abraham going through this? Can you imagine what this was like? There's another thing that I want you to realize. You know, Isaac is not a boy. He is a young man. He is probably stronger. He is probably faster. And he probably could take the old man if he had to. And you know what? The old man had just built the altar probably by himself because he was letting his son rest after carrying the wood up there. I'm not saying old man in a, in a, in a bad way. That, it, in the South, that's loving. Old man, you know. I love that old man of mine. You know, my dad knows that. I love, I love him. Okay, so, so here we are. You know, Abraham lets his son rest. They get up there to the top of the mountain. He lets him rest. He builds the altar himself. And this, would have been, this wouldn't have been just like a little altar. You know, he's going to build a big altar. It's got to be big enough to put, put his son on. It's got to be big enough to hold a donkey load of wood. I mean, it takes him a while to build this thing. He has to carry these rocks. He has to pile these rocks together. He has to do this. I remember in Haiti looking over the mission wall at a load of rocks, and there was like six guys carrying rocks and putting them in for a foundation of a house that they were building. And it took them all day. And I can imagine that this took Abraham hours. And can you imagine his heart, how, how he was pained with this? But then at some point, Isaac had to submit to his father, didn't he? He had to submit to him. He had to allow his father to tie him up. It doesn't say they wrestled. It doesn't say that, that Abraham hit him in the back of the head with a little rock or anything like that. But at some point, 
Isaac had to submit to the will of his father. He had to forego his own will and allow his father to tie him up and place him on the altar. He had to submit even to the point of a knife being raised above him to kill him. And what happened? God intervenes, doesn't he? The angel of the Lord calls out. You know, he says, Abraham, Abraham. And can you imagine Abraham like, oh man, what is this conversation going to be like? Here I am. Here I am. But now the conversation gets good, doesn't it? In verse 12, he says, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. God intervened, didn't he? God intervened. Give me another amen and I'll preach faster. (laughs) But God intervened, didn't he? God stepped in. Abraham, Abraham. So what does Abraham do? Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. You know, God did not name that place. Abraham did. You know, Abraham could have thumped his chest and he should, you know, he could have said, this will be called Abraham obeyed here. But he didn't do that, did he? Because he learned the powerful lesson that God provides for us if we obey him. God provides for us if we obey him. Now you know the story of Abraham and Isaac. I'll ask you a question. Do you see anything in this story that might even relate remotely to Jesus Christ? Yeah. There is some stuff in here, isn't it? You could probably take this story and pick it apart for the next three hours, but I'm not going to do that. But I do want to look at a few things. Because I believe that this story actually yells out to us the name of Jesus. It yells out to us who Jesus is. It yells out to us who God is. It yells out to us about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. All of that is in this story. So let's look at a few of these things. Verse 2, both Abraham and God have a son that they each love. So in verse 2, we see, we see the love of a father for his son. Matthew 3.17 says, and behold, now remember, this is, at, this is after Jesus has, has been baptized. He's coming up out of the water, and all of a sudden, this voice says, Behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. God. God proclaimed that day that Jesus was his, a son that he loved. Verse 6. The wood that Isaac carries on his back is a foreshadowing of the cross that Jesus will carry. You know, John 19, 17 says, And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is Golgotha. 
There's a, there's a whole lot more I'm going to talk about Golgotha in a minute. But you know, Jesus began that day with that, that cross piece on his shoulders, didn't he? Now eventually, eventually it had to be carried by another man, didn't it? Because the weight of it and everything that he had been through, he couldn't, he couldn't carry it. Verse 9, Isaac at some point became a willing sacrifice. But you know what? Jesus came to this earth willingly. You know, think about it. You know, Jesus Christ, lots of times we, we take the little baby Jesus and we think about him as being the beginning of Jesus' life. Well, that ain't true. Jesus was in the creation account. Jesus was the one that was there with the Father. You had the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit the entire time. It wasn't like the baby Jesus was the first time that Jesus ever existed. You know, lots of times we think about that little eight-pound, three-and-a-half-ounce little baby Jesus, and, and we, we feel all that love, don't we? Everybody loves a baby, don't they? You can't go wrong with a baby. But Jesus left the glory of God. He left the throne room of God, and he came to the earth to live like one of us. He willingly did that. Now, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, continuing on, verse 14. The mountain of the Lord. Now, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3 says, And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that we may, he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, Mount Moriah, the mountain that Abraham went to, what was eventually built on it? The temple. Mount Moriah is a temple mount. The temple of the Lord was built on the mountain that Abraham was tested on. Now, some Bible scholars will go back and forth about Golgotha being a place, the Mount Moriah being a place. You know what? They're so close together, it don't matter. They're not that far apart. But think about it. At the place where Abraham is tested is the same place where Solomon built the temple. Now, is it on the exact location? I don't know. And I'm not going to argue that point. It's just amazing to me that God sent Abraham to the spot that he would have Solomon build the temple at later. And then later than that, the place that Jesus would come to and be rejected. And then eventually... Eventually, if the, temple, if the temple was the site of, this, of Abraham's test, not far away is Golgotha. Not far away at all. The testing of Abraham went only a few hundred, maybe thousand feet away from the place that Jesus died. You know, God gave 
a sacrifice that day, didn't he? He gave a ram. That ram was in the thicket. Have you ever been in the woods and it's been so thick you can't see what's in the thicket? I have. I have. I used to love to rabbit hunt, and I'm sorry if you are offended by that. But I used to rabbit hunt, and one thing that you do when, you, when you're hunting rabbits, you've got to get them going. You've got to get the rabbits up moving around. And sometimes you've got to take the dogs, because the dogs will go in the thicket if you go with them. But they're not going to go in there lots of times to start out with, because they, they, you know, that stuff ain't good. Briars and stuff poking you, ripping your clothes and things like that. But God did provide that offering in the thicket, didn't he? And Abraham went in there and got it. You know, God provided a sacrifice for us. He did. His son. He sent his son to this world as a sacrifice for us. You know, we really do deserve the full wrath of God for what we do. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, and, and, and I think you will all agree with me, that none of us are perfect, are we? I'm not. You know what? I sin every day. I, it, it, and sometimes I'm not even up long enough to, to even be fully awake. And I've already said something bad to the dog. But you, but you know, that, that's, that's me. That's the human in me. And I love that bloodhound. I'm daggone it when she sleeps right beside the bed and I, I, I put my feet on the floor and the next thing I know there's a, a cold nose in my face. You know, I'm, I'm not very Christ-like. But don't we do that? Don't we sin all the time? And I'm going to tell you something. If, you, if this is the first time you've been here, the first time that you've been here at Chester Christian Church and, and you think that church is about a bunch of people that got it all together, you have come to the wrong church because we don't have it all together. We don't. But you know what we do have? We do have each other, don't we? And we do have God, don't we? So we're all trying to do this life together. And if you're in here and you're not doing this life together with somebody else that's in here, shame on you. Shame on you. Life is too hard. And I know the connections with, I know some of these connections that are in this room. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think that some of these people would live if they didn't have the power or the strength that God gives through these other people. I don't think they would survive the things that they've been through. And I'm going to tell you, that the, back, the, the back row over here, these people have been together for a long time. And, I, and there's other people kind of spread around here, but they've been together through a long time, and they've been through a lot of stuff, ain't you? They're shaking their head, yeah. They have. But you know, if, some, if one of them calls the other one, all of them are going to know about it because they're going to band together. They're going to come together. That's what we have to do as a church. I don't know why I'm even preaching on that right now. Okay, so that's not even part of that's not even part of the sermon. That's extra stuff. Okay. So let me get back on track. All right. Okay, let's go. This is a good slide here. Let me get a drink of water. All right, verse 14, the mountain of the Lord. We talked about that. Okay, now verse 8. The Lord will provide. You know, that's a powerful statement, and we've talked about that. God provided his son. Now, Romans 3.23. I don't know, am I in y'all's way? Can y'all see? 
Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's us, isn't it? That's us. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus Christ said that he is the way. Romans 10.13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, we believe that, don't we? We take, we take great comfort and faith in that, don't we? And then Acts 2.38, this is what Peter said. Peter told those guys on, the, on, the, on Pentecost, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God has provided for us like he's provided for Abraham. He's provided that sacrifice, hasn't he? It's already happened. You know, one of the things that I think that we all need to realize is what God's purpose is for us. You know, he has provided something for us in the church. You know, it's not the building. It's not, it's not this. It's, this is the church right here, the people. He's provided this for each of us, hasn't he? I reckon that's where I was going earlier and just didn't keep going. He's provided for us in ways to go through this life. And you know, sometimes people, people look and they say, well, you know, God has given this person all these things and this person all these things. But you know what? Lots of times they're miserable, aren't they? They're miserable because they don't have this. They don't have the church. They don't have the love. You know, we as a people are joined together, and we have a purpose. You know, God's purpose is, it's really, this statement comes off of the website. Now, this is not the purpose, but it has our purpose for a church in there. It says, Chester Christian Church exists too, and then the rest of it is our, our purpose. Make much of Jesus by reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. Chester Christian Church. We are an entity. We are a body. You know, Paul calls us a body. That's what we are. We are a creation of God. And that's a powerful thing. It is a very powerful thing. So, do you see the connection of Jesus Christ to the story? Because if you don't, I'm going to go back and preach it again. So I better see an amen. I hear an amen, a hallelujah, or something. I got it, or something. But I think you do. You know, the Old Testament is filled with stories like that. But right now, what I want to, I want to invite you to do, and Charlie and everybody's going to come back up here, you know, as a church, as a church, lots of times, lots of times, we don't get to fully do what we're called to do. You know what I'm saying? And I'll tell you one thing that I firmly believe. I believe in the power of prayer. And I'll tell you, 
I couldn't come up here today if I didn't have somebody pray for me. One of the messages I sent back to Caitlin this morning was, will you pray for me? You know I'm preaching. She said, yeah. Got you covered. I had somebody pray for me right before I came up here. Somebody didn't expect me to come up behind them and ask them to pray for me, and I think I scared her. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're going through something in your life that you're struggling with, now is the time to ask somebody to pray for you. And I don't know who's going to come up here. I know Aaron, you'll come up here. Aaron, and I, you know what? I'm going to tell this is anybody that's on the prayer team, come on up. But I'm going to also say this. If you feel like you're led to come up here and pray for somebody, may not be comes up here and you know that God is leading you to come up and pray along with these other people, you don't have to know what their story is. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. If you're sitting in here right now and you think you got it all together and you don't need prayer, you probably need it the most. I'm just being honest with you because at times in my life when I don't think I need prayer, that's when I really need it. But come up and let us pray for you. And if you, right now, if you want to know more about Jesus Christ, or maybe you have stepped away from Jesus Christ, maybe you've turned your back on God. I know I did for a lot of years. And there came a day when I needed to say, you know what, I'm letting my will go away. I am going to listen to what God is telling me. And then, daggone it, he sent me to school to be a pastor. But you know, when you get out of the way and you let God do things, that happens. Powerful things happen. So now as the band, as, the, as we worship, I'm just going to invite you to come up here. If you want to talk about anything, if you need help with anything, come on up. But most of all, don't stay in your seat. Don't stay in your seat. Let's all stand together. Well, Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my right. Oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is born. Your grace is found, is where you are. And where you are, Lord, Christ in me, 
witness with you Oh God 